So today is a pretty special day for all of us, and um, you're going to have a group of us uh, introducing some things today. So I actually stand here representing that group. It's a, it's a, a team of teams, and we're members of one body that's here at the Vineyard Church. So you don't see them all yet, but you will see them before the end of the service. We're preparing to go to the nations to do the work of the church. With this in mind, I'd like to take you back to um, a message that I preached on December the 29th. Many of you were not here, um, but we're going to be taking a look at the famous uh, passage found in Isaiah chapter 6. With that in mind, uh, Isaiah chapter 6 uh, we discovered that God brought the prophet Isaiah out of the throes of life and into the throne room of God. And it was there in the throne room with all of its splendor that Isaiah's spiritual eyes were opened and he perceived that he was standing in the holy presence of God. It was there and in this context that Isaiah realized that he had missed the mark of perfection and as such he was unclean and probably going to die. But God initiated actions in heaven to cover, cleanse, and remove those sins. The process is what we call transformation. The coals of heaven touched his lips. His sin was removed. In New Testament terms, we could sum it up this way. We come into his presence. We worship God Almighty in heaven. We discover our failures and our blemishes and receive the blood sacrifice that cleanses us from sin. So that covers, that makes a um, connection between Old Testament and New. At the moment that Isaiah was touched and made whole, heaven's expectations were ignited. Now with great anticipation, all of heaven watches in complete silence and awaits to witness uh, Isaiah's response to God's eternal question. Who shall I send? Who will go for us? On a mountain in Galilee many centuries later, another member of the Godhead is meeting with his followers the last time before he ascends to heaven. The scriptures say that they, his followers, saw Jesus and they worshipped him. Jesus then spoke to them saying, All authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth, go. Goes on to say, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I command you, and lo, I am with you always. Just as, Father, as the Father inquired in the presence of Isaiah and heaven's witnesses, who shall I send and who will go for us? Jesus, the son, following his crucifixion and resurrection, sends his followers to go. Go to the nations. Go to the lost people everywhere and spread the good news. The kingdom of God is now. The New Testament identifies that this is the work of the church to worship him to allow his presence to reign in us. In worship, we are transformed into his image. The fruit of worship is the transformation 
and the anointing to do this stuff, to do the work of the harvest. Jesus commissioned us all to work with him in his field, knowing that the need for the workers is great, that the time is now, that we are to work until his return, and that we will be rewarded. Today, you will have your opportunity to hear and respond to God's eternal question, who shall I send? Who will go for us? God gave us the primer of salvation through his grace in the Old Testament story of Isaiah, which became the very foundation for a great mystery. God would die for us that we might live for him. And in the, Old, and in the New Testament, now that we have been set free by the power of the blood sacrifice of Christ, the son's call to us is to go. Go into all the world. Today, the Lord has opened his invitation to this, his beloved church, to go, to become a member of a missions team, to send, to become a financial partner with a mission team or an individual or teams, to pray, to become an active prayer intercessor for a mission team, an individual, or all of the teams. No man is an island. No man stands alone. No team can do all the three of these things without your participation. This body is our team, and we are all members of one another. Will you sign up and commit today to faithfully execute your office of goer, sender, prayer? It's your choice. Will you bow with me for a second and... We'll just ask the Lord to direct your thoughts. Lord Jesus, prepare our hearts to hear your heart today. Lead us as you did Isaiah to respond to your call, to go to the lost of the world with a message of your love. Lord, each of us is asking you to speak to our heart. Lead us to respond to as you make known to us personally what part you desire for us to do today, to go, to send, to pray for our mission teams. Give us ears to hear and a heart to follow your leading today. Amen. So this morning you will hear from our mission team leaders. We will each show, share with you a few um, ideas about the mission and the vision we have. We stand together again as one team being sent into four regions of the world, to Nepal, to India, Honduras, and Kenya. The Lord is allowing you to see his heart for the lost people in these places. The heart of God is that all people everywhere will come to know his son. Each of you will receive a pledge card or a commitment form which we ask you to pray over and respond to as God leads you. So now I'll do our first uh, mission team presentation as I shift from sermonette to mission team leader. Um, so we'll start the PowerPoint. Our team is the Kenya mission team. We'll travel to Kisumu, Kenya, to join missionary Dave Osborne and the family of Hope. 
Dave Osborne visited us this last fall, and he shared his photos, his stories, and his heart. We want to join Pastor Dave and come alongside his vision and the team to empower his team to empower and encourage his uh, staff and himself and the boys that are, he is helping there. We will be ministering to orphaned and drug-addicted lost boys of Kisumu. If Family of Hope licenses has been issued, we will be ministering to the street boys that have become part of the Family of Hope program. God is calling us as a power team to minister to the Kasuma Street orphans, to heal the sick, to pray for the lost, to participate in street evangelism, hospital visitation, and if possible, we would visit prisoners, especially those that Brother Dave knows, but who I'd ended up going to do prison time. Kisumu and Kenya generally have a very large population of Muslim people. We will visit various homes and places of business where Brother Dave has established a buddy relationship and, and a dialogue with those about Jesus. Usually they are of Muslim faith. And we'll join him to pray with them and for um, open hearts. We will participate in daily intercession prayer. And we will be standing in the gap seeking the following. Favor in the community with the people. A means to touch these boys that God is calling into the home for help. Healing for the sick. Favor that open the doors to be able to pray for the sick. Provisions to meet all known and unknown needs. Anointing and blessing over the staff. Encouragement and empowerment for the home, t- uh, the home group to grow into a vineyard church plant. And to serve Kis- uh, Kisumu's people and a place for the older boy that com- boys that complete the program to have a place of fellowship. For the compound, for the boys, and for the staff, for protection from lies and deception and theft and uh, all, else, all other things that are involved, and for favor with the governmental institution, businesses, and media, and with the people of Kisumu. Our goal is to send a team of four to six spirit-filled people who are ready to run as soon as our feet hit the ground for the Lord and for his glory. Each team member will be seeking to host the presence of God and to shower the people of Kasuma with God's blessing and with his kingdom power and his presence. We are planning to make a spiritual insight journey rather than a sightseeing journey. Our desire is to encounter God as, as, uh, as to all the things that he reveals to us, to take hold all that God gives to us and to stand in the gap to break strongholds that have their grip on the lost boys and the people of Kasumu. I'd like to take a note here. There's a young lady named Jackie that's the cook at the compound. And Jackie herself was a glue provider. She was the seller of glue. And she has become converted and a member of the compound team. And she is a great resource for the boys, for uh, a basis of understanding and a basis of uh, love and acceptance of them, knowing where they came from. So let's go to slide two. This is one of the boys that we are reaching. Life is sniffing, huffing, and escaping on glue for the lost boys of Kisumu. Next slide. Glue addictions keep the lost boys lost. 
There is no escape from life with glue, but there's a temporary escape from the harsh realities of a life of hopelessness. Next one. Social life? Well, there's really no concern for the lives of others among these boys. They just have no other place to go. And this is home for the lost boys of Kisumu. They sleep among the papers to stay warm, and they can cover themselves and hide. The following pictures are going to be of the boys that have been found. The next slide, please. This is Dominic. And this is Dominic's handwritten story, translated, perfected, so I could read it to you. <laughs> My name is Dominic Okilo. I am 13 years old. I was at home living with my brother and his family. I was not studying in school because my brother sent his children to school, but had me stay back and take care of the cows. When I was at school, he would not allow me to stay for the extra study time after classes. I was angry. I told myself that I would not stay with my brother. And I went to the bus stage at Kisumu, and I loved inhaling glue so much. I went to my stepmother. She told me not to take glue, but the devil lied to me, and I went back for glue. I met David Osborne, and he called me to come to Family of Hope, and I am so grateful. The next slide, please. This is Isaac. Could you do uh, the, the next slide also? So the first thing we got was a prayer alert because Isaac had an infection and was going to have to have surgery. So this is um, the surgical site on his stomach where they were able to remove the infection and they left um, their handprint. So this is Isaac, Isaac's story. My name is Isaac. I was born in 1985. As a young gr uh, child, I grew up having my mother and my father. I, was, I attended an education at St. Joseph's Primary School. In my family, I had two sisters and two brothers. In the year 2005, my father began suffering from HIV AIDS. We took my father to the hospital and to the uh, health center, but after two months, my father died. It was very painful for us, his children. After another month, my mother died. When all these things happened, I drifted away from school. And we say, how could you not? I was thinking of leaving my place and looking for a place I would be more comfortable. But when I reached Kisumu, I found small children there using this kind of drugs. I was thinking and thinking, but I couldn't go back home, so I decided to be in the street. For me, at first, this was very difficult to be in a place like that. But after several months, I started knowing how I could stay there. It was the life of the, that the devil wanted for me. After nine months, God accomplished his mission by taking me to a place where I could find a better life. This is Kenneth. Kenneth is, uh, the, the picture was captioned with, Kenneth is taking pleasure in his jiku, a charcoal cooking stove that he made in his job, uh, his job training school. And then next one is Colin. Colin was so proud wanting to show us the stool he made in training program. He and Kenneth have 
taken great pleasure in the skills that they are learning. Both call the compound their home. Our invitation to you is to come away with us. And there's a song that says, come away with me. It's going to be wild. It's going to be great. It's going to be full of me. Join us. All right. Wow, that's really cool. So eloquent, Alice. Okay, so my name is Karina, and my mission is to Nepal. And there's a nice, okay. And um, I don't know if um, you guys know where Nepal is, but it is on the other side of the world. It's right north of India. So I put a little diagram there because sometimes it's hard to see literally like a 20-something hour flight. I'm sure those of you who have been to India understand. It's very long. Um, next slide. Um, so a lot of you might know I went to Nepal last summer, and it completely wrecked me, impacted me, all of the in-betweens, broke my heart, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, go to the next slide. And while I was there, there's that same verse that Alice beautifully painted, um, is, you know, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. And uh, you can go to the next slide. And part of that was because I saw the need. And this was the first time for me personally growing up in Texas, you know, rural area. I'd never seen extreme poverty. And, you know, I'd seen it on TV. I've heard about it. I knew it existed. But for the first time in my life, it was real. And, I mean, this little girl was standing right in front of me. I took this picture, and, you know, she's like, just hold me. And I'm like, okay, you know. And um, it really broke my heart. And you can go to the next slide. And, uh, you know, it says in the Bible, if you help the poor, you are lending a hand to the Lord. And that really stuck with me because I was like, what have I really done? I mean, I haven't really helped anyone. And so while I was there, I was like, I mean, yeah, I've been here for a month, and I'm, I'm doing something, but I want to do more. And I was really praying and seeking the Lord the whole time I was there of how I can do something because I was, I mean, I was set. Like, I felt called to this country. You can go to the next, next slide. Um, uh, the other hand was there were so many people who had never heard of Jesus. And I was like, wait, I mean, you don't even know who Jesus is? And they're like, no. And part of that is um, the religion of Nepal, which on the top you see prayer flags. That's Buddhist prayer flags. They write the prayer on the flag, and they believe that when it waves, their prayers are sent to heaven. Um, the bottom right um, <laughs> is uh, monkeys uh, eating the food, the little food that they had that they had sacrificed to Buddha. And, I mean, that was like, man, you guys don't even have enough food to eat, you know? And it's just like, no, you don't have to do that. And it was really hard um, because you, you don't want to be culturally insensitive, obviously. And then the other one there is a Hindu temple. Um, you can go to the next slide. Uh, while I was there, it really stuck me that they aren't, they're kids, you know? And um, I didn't speak, I don't speak Nepali. I'm, I'm trying to learn. I'm getting there. But, um, and I feel like being there, I'll be immersed into it, and I will learn it. But, um I could, I mean, I was hanging out with them like I would hang out with kids here. I mean, it was like no difference. And that's a, that was another thing, another, I guess, pre nunction that I had growing up was like, oh, I'm never going to be able to get along. We're so culturally different. No, they, they can feel Jesus' love from a mile away. People would say, I can tell you really love me. I'm like, no, 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 that's Jesus. So it was really cool to see, you know, how, how much fun they were without even being able to communicate verbally. Go to the next slide. 
Um, so why I'm here now is the call to return. So that was a little bit about what I did before. This is actually, we were at a school, and we were preaching about Jesus, and all of those kids got to hear the name of Jesus, and actually 200 of them got saved. So praise God. Um, they are very open to hear, you can go to the next slide, um, to hear about the gospel. And this verse was in my life. That was my vision while I was there before. His word is in my heart like a fire. It's a fire shut up in my bones. I am, this is a different version I'm reciting. <laughs> I'm weary of holding it in and I cannot. Um, and that is exactly how I felt there. And the more I shared the gospel, the hotter the fire became and the more passionate I became about seeing people know Jesus. And that's actually, I'm sharing the gospel on the microphone right there is, um, in a village nearby Kathmandu. I'm go to the next slide. Um, that's also sharing the gospel. That's at the school. I guess the slides got mixed up. But that's at the school that I was showing before where all those kids got saved because afterwards they're like, okay, so we heard the gospel. I want to hear more. And I was like, yes, that's great. So these guys got saved, and it was, it was awesome. You can go to the next slide. Um, so here's the big vision. Um, while I was Before I even went, I had a, God put a vision on my heart that I'm going to start my own school. Didn't know where, didn't know what, didn't know when, didn't know how. Just like, okay, God, cool. And while I was there, God's like, here. I was like, all right. So um, I have this big vision to um, start my own school, um, make it open to all religions, and um, go to the next slide. And uh, part of that goal is... You can go to the next slide, Patrick. Okay. Is to see every child feel loved. And, you know, because I feel like a lot of times, um, especially in places like this, they think, oh, Westerners are just going to come in and they're going to make us, you know, become Americans. And that's not my goal. That's not my vision. I want to show them the love of Jesus because that's what they need. That's what we need. We all need love of Jesus. And, you know, we wouldn't be saved if we hadn't experienced the love of God. So um, that's my goal is to, um, is to do that. And, of course, um, next slide, um, is I, I also want to share the gospel. And I want, you know, to see, to see them understand who Jesus is and what he did for them uh, versus just, um, you know, coming there and teaching them other things. So you can go to the next slide. Um, this is the verse that God put on my heart about that. You know, it can't happen right now. It is something that I have to wait for. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end, and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. And that's, that's the big vision. It's going to happen. I believe it. I got faith. And that's, that's the, where I'm going for. But right now, next slide. Um, what happens now? Um, I'm going to go to work at a school. You can go to the next slide. And um, I'm going to be a volunteer teacher there. This is the name of the school and actually the school. Um, it's a really poor school, and a friend of mine, I'm going quickly, um, and a friend of mine, uh, he, he actually, you know, knows the, a pastor that was like, hey, this school needs teachers. And so he was like, hey, you know, you want to come teach? Teach here. And I was like, great, that's perfect, because that's what I'm, I'm getting my degree in teaching. I graduate in May. And go to the next slide. And um, Part of being there, um, I, was, I have more of a vision for when I come back. I leave in August. August 1st, I'll get there. And um, part of the vision is to not only uh, teach them at that school, but also to teach them other environmental things and educate them on things like, um, like what Alice was showing them, with like learning how to build things and uh, you know other things. I don't want to westernize them. That's not my goal. But I want to teach them, educate them. And going to, going to the next slide. Um, we're going to go to villages, and we already have, there's like villages that are waiting for me to come teach their teachers how to make lesson plans. So I'm really excited. And also there's many schools in Nepal that have, I mean, no, many villages that have no schools. There is no education. So um, you go to the next slide. 
And also, of course, praying for the sick. Uh, this is a little girl we prayed for. That's why I put that on there. And uh, she came up to us. She saw us. And she was like, pray for me. I was like, yes. So um, it was really cool. You can go to the next slide. I'm trying to go really fast here. Um, so how am I going to do this? Um, that describes it. He gives power to the weak. I'm very weak. Uh, and strength to the powerless. I'm very powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired. Yes, I'm young, but I can't do that much, and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on winds like eagles. They will uh, run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So um, last slide. And I just want to end on this note. Um, this, I love this quote. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it, because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Nepal made me come alive, it, you know, develop this passion within, and I feel like everybody has that. God has a calling on everybody, and um, what you need to do is find that, and that's what will be. That's what God will do. So, that's it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Cindy Young, and um, my husband Kevin and I have been going to India for several years now. And uh, you can go ahead and start the the slides. Actually, if you want to just do about five seconds per slide, you can just click through them. Um, we go to a place called Little Flock Children's Home. Um, a couple years ago, we had uh, several people from this church also join us. It was great. Um, I won't read that, but you can read that. Uh, the mission statement for Little Flock, though, is that it's dedicated to healing and transforming the lives of orphans, widows, and their communities through the love, hope, and truth of Christ. And um, again, it's right below Nepal, long ways away. It's a long plane flight. But um, very worth going. It's very, uh, it's just otherworldly. <laughs> um, it is uh, kind of nestled in between two rural um, villages. Um, and so we are ministering to the uh, orphans or semi-orphans at Little Flock. But we are really starting to reach out into the villages. It's all, South India is all primarily Hindu. And... Uh, this is some of the things that we've done in 2010 with some of the team members from this church. We built an incinerator, and we had, uh, there's Clara helping uh, with some sewing. This is one of the ministries that we did out in the village. So the village women would come in and learn a trade, and they actually bought these treadle sewing machines that they did with their feet through Little Flock with a microloan, and they have paid back, and now they are um, able to earn a living uh, from their village homes. Um, very important for women in India. They are uh, very marginalized. You can go to the next slide. Um, we also did, uh, every team that goes to, to India teaches English. This is the way orphan children or um, children from lower castes have a chance to survive. They need to learn English to get an education. So every team teaches English and I have to tell you, for the, the team members that went in 2010, their English is getting incredibly good. There's Cindy McBride teaching English. She's an ESL teacher here, so we were blessed to have her with us. Um, but these um, Little Flock is um, dedicated to help these children all the way through college or technical school or marriage, whatever whatever, um, however they end up. It's not like here where you're 18 and you're out. So we are committed to all the children at Little Flock um, in, through adulthood. 
You go to the next slide. That's one of my favorite shots. And, you know, so teaching English and really loving on the kids is what every team does. So it's a lot of playing. Uh, like I said, teaching English. We do crafts with the kids. Last year we, we made scrapbooks for the kids because they don't have pictures of themselves. Um, so this year, I think the next slide, I, I just got back. Oh, and also we, um, every team, we, we pray for each child individually. And that's Guggen there and my husband Kevin um, from this church. Very powerful to be able to take these kids who are living in community of about you know 50 kids. They hardly ever get one-on-one -on -one time with someone praying for them, much less we had like three team members per child praying just for them and um the it was it it changes them god really uses that time so it's it's a wonderful thing that we do so the, i just got back from india um in january and um you can go to the next slide and this is our new dining hall so some of you haven't seen it it was just kind of like uh it was rubble before so it's beautiful. And so the team that I went with this year, um, we painted murals on the inside of the dining hall. So this is the creation wall. This is a picture of a butterfly. That's the uh, goddess king wall. The mu that's me on the right. I'm painting, doing some calligraphy. Um, the, the murals turned out beautiful. I didn't design them. One of our team members designed them. But... There is scripture on every wall in that dining room. And again, this is a Hindu, um, centrally Hindu country. And so when people come in from the village or um, even from the um, neighboring uh, communities in the city, they, they will see the scripture. And the, of course, the kids will benefit. Next slide. The other thing that we did on this last um, this last time in January is um, we had a woman come with us who um, is a master jewelry maker. She teaches at the community college level. So again, we gathered some women from the village to teach jewelry making, and um, it's a you know women usually make about a dollar a day or less, and so in doing hard labor. So these women went through a two-week course. They made beautiful jewelry. Um, this is um, the jewelry that's made by one woman by the name of Parimela, and that is 1,600 rupees. She, um, you can go to the next slide and stay on that slide just for a second. I want to tell you just a little bit about Parimela. She's the mother of two of the children that we have at Little Flock. And um, her husband died of AIDS a few years ago, and her husband's family threw her out of the house. She also is HIV positive, so she went to her parents that lived far away, and they gave her a space to live that was about four feet wide by maybe six feet long, only enough space for herself, not her son. Her son is now living with her because she's ill. Um, so about two years ago, her doctor gave her um, four days to live. So she, she was very, very ill. She worked, she had been working in the quarries. So she's, you know, lifting heavy rock and stone and hauling it out. Usually on, they do it on their heads. And, um, but she was very sick. 
And so she came to Little Flock to see her children for the last time. And while she was at Little Flock, the children, all of the children, gathered around her and prayed for her. That was two years ago. So this is Parimela. I got to see her um, when I was there. She came just to visit her daughter. And um, VG, our, our president, was with us, um, the founder of Little Flock. And, and she turned to the gal that was teaching the jewelry making. She said, do you think you could teach her? And she said, sure. Parimela ended up being her star student. She stayed for five days. And the jewelry that you saw on the previous slide was what she had made in five days, making 1,600 rupees, which is the equivalent to $33 which is the equivalent to what she would make in six weeks working in the quarry. And so if you can imagine, she's, she's very ill. She's, only, she's 39 years old, but she looks much older in person. Um, and now she doesn't have to work in the quarries anymore. So, I mean, we were all just, we gathered around her the day that she left. And I had some other pictures I didn't have time to put in, but she just had tears streaming down her face and she this was this she had hope but the the main thing i wanted to, to tell you is that two years prior when she had come um and had the the kids pray for her she accepted jesus that time and so when we when she came this time we didn't know that but when she came this time vg asked her about G, what she felt about jesus and she goes oh i I accepted Jesus as my Lord when those children prayed for me, and he healed me. So, um, again, Little Flock is, is really about the kids. When the team goes, it's about the kids that live at Little Flock, but, um, but there are ripple effects going out from that holy, what I call the holy ground and um, that impact the families of all the children, that impact the village around and um and there was actually a couple of the women that in the jewelry making class who had become believers so these two hindu villages that are on either side of little flock were completely 100 percent uh, hindu until recently so next slide that's about it i'm i mean i i love going there there's always it, every team is a little different depending on uh, the gifts and talents of the team as to what we do. Like you saw, we, you know, uh, Daniel and some friends built an incinerator. We've, we've built, um, first year I went, we planted 160 trees. Um, you know, so it's, it's different every time. So kind of depending on what your gifts and talents are, what you like to do um, is what we kind of uh, form our uh, game plan of what we're going to be doing at Little Flock. But it always includes... ESL with the kids, praying with the kids, playing with the kids, and just loving them. All right. Isn't that awesome? I mean, we're going to four different countries this year, or four different continents. Well, three different continents. Um, that's amazing what we're, we're sending out from our church. And uh, we're so incredibly blessed. You know, last summer, our youth group uh, was able to go to New York, and we did some ministry time in Brooklyn uh, to a lot of the kids in the, in the poor neighborhoods. And uh, 
So we're excited. We wanted to expand our opportunity this year, and we thought, well, we went to New York. Where are we going to go next? So we're going to Honduras. And uh, on July 19th of this year, hundreds of Honduran political leaders are going to be attending a conference in the heart of the nation's capital. capital. <clears throat> and uh, American and Honduran influencers uh, are going to address the core issues that the country is facing, and they're going to conclude with a challenge for people to put their trust in Christ. And I, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but Hondur, you know, Honduras is going through some stuff right now. I mean, they're really kind of struggling. So this conference is really going to be an amazing time for God to just reach in there and, and heal and make people whole. And so uh, this summer, we're going to be joining a team of hundreds of missionaries that are going to be sent out. We're going to be going to cities all over the country. And uh, those are going to be the days leading up to the crusade. And we're going to be canvassing all the cities, and we're going to be doing street evangelism, school assemblies, uh, hospital and orphanage visits, and uh, dramas and outreaches to the community. And as we infiltrate every demographic and help to facilitate this big event that's going to be happening, uh, we're going to be proclaiming the message that uh, a return to God is the real hope for Honduras. That's that's what we're going to be pushing is, you know, the hope God puts in you. So if you're interested in participating in that, uh, in whatever way you feel God leads you, talk to me. Uh, I'm excited. If you're interested in coming as an adult sponsor, come and talk to me. We can talk about what that might look like and how you might fit in. If you have kids that are 13 or older or will be 13 by um, July 4th, they can go. If they're going to be 13 by, by July 4th, they can go on the trip. We are in the process of doing fundraising right now. And part of what tonight or today is all about is fundraising. Um, it's about prayer. It's about commitment. It's about engagement in the Word of God, which is what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, that's, that's what our life is supposed to be about. So uh, we're going to be handing out commitment cards in a little while. And we're going to be asking you to commit to pray or to go or to send to these four different places we're going this year. And so whatever commitment you make, God honors. You know, God honors that commitment. If you, if you commit to pray, then pray, pray, and God will honor that. And through that prayer, God will provide for all of us to make the missions happen. Um, so our, our kids are really excited, and I'm excited. And uh, I hope we see some amazing stuff. We saw some great stuff in Brooklyn. And uh, I'm just, I can't imagine what God's going to do in Honduras.
Hello? So uh, if you think that that can't happen, uh, I want to tell you that's a true story. You can read it in the news. Um, a young girl in China who was worshiping God, a young Christian girl, was executed for picking up that Bible and cleaning it off. So Jesus said, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll bring the workers to his field. And I heard a voice, the voice of God, saying, who will I send? Who will go for us? We need everybody, so we hope you commit today to support our missions. Um, that concludes our service part, but um, if anybody feels that they would like prayer, um, you know, that you feel that little nudge, um, not sure what part you play, and you would like someone to pray with you, there will be people up here that um, will be happy to pray with you. And then please hang around. It's going to be awesome food. Um, if we could get a few people to um, stack these chairs and put them over here. Um, for us, that would be great. And then we could need to bring out some tables and then we'll get the food set up. It'll be potluck like you've never had before. It's going to be awesome. So, um, I just want to say, um, Lord, thank you for, um, this morning, um, for what you're doing around the world and how you're going to use us. And we pray your blessing on this food and ask that you would nourish our bodies to do your work. Amen. <laughs>